What's up, everybody? It's Jeffrey Lyles welcoming you to another edition of Lyles Movie Files. Joining me, as always, is little brother Jace. No chief tonight. He's uh, resting and recuperating and all that good stuff. But bro, shot, we're still going to rock this thing. How are you on this fine Wednesday evening? Doing good. Uh, and take no room, no truth to the rumors that Chief missed this episode just so I got my number two spot back. It's completely lies. All lies. Oh, no. I think the lie is that you didn't take him out for it. <laughs> All lies. What's going on? So, it's funny because we're both wearing Star Wars. And I'm I know. So, we're going to play. Talking about Marvel. <laughs> that was weird. Very weird. What's going on, Blake? What's going on, Blake? Snake Eyes is in the building. What's going on? Coordinated Star Wars every so often. You know, Blake, back in the day, well, like maybe as early as early, recently as last week, yeah. we'd, we'd uh, do our thing right at the same time and be like, all right, well, clearly you're Zaymot and I'm Tomax because we'd be synced up, even though there's four years difference. Speaking of which, I guess one more day because we're, we're pretty much done with this one. Uh, Sun tells me you'll still be up for at least about eight more hours, so... It's really just the middle of the day for you. It's a safe bet. A very, <laughs> very safe bet. So there's this book that came out uh, not that long ago. The Reign of Marvel Studios. And there's been all kinds of really interesting stories coming from it. So many. And I just felt like, you know what? There's not a lot popping. Let's talk about that. But first, before we get into that, we got to give a shout out, of course, to Shaft. He's no longer with us. And you know what? What they thought was really cool about these, these recent movies was they made sure to bring in Richard Roundtree. And it wasn't just some like, hey, there's the old guy on the side. He was like an actual pivotal character to the series. And he was involved in it. It wasn't like, oh, here's our 30-second cameo. Beat it, old guy. We're, we're getting Samuel Jackson over. Yeah, so I, I remember that, that new one. They actually made him like he was actually still, he's still the dude it's just he's passed the torch like and it's and it going unlike how the that franchise didn't know how to pass the torch he's like hey i'm still capable of doing stuff but you're the man and that and that was that was a really cool you know way to do it i mean i wish more people did it it's like yeah he died yeah. uh late last night apparently blake yeah i was like oh man <laughs> so it's just he had been fighting the fight for a second, though. He'd been, you know, doing his thing. So at least we got to celebrate him. It wasn't like he was in obscurity. Nobody even knew who he was these last 20, 30 years since his peak back in the black exploitation era. So it's really nice to see him get some love and attention from modern audiences. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into this, this Marvel Studios. There's, of course, a ton of things going on in the MCU. That's why I asked the question, is the MCU reign over? Uh, you know, there, there's all kinds of things, and, and nothing lasts forever, as we've seen, where something can be really great for 10, 15 years, and it hits a cliff, and it's just done. It's just all over it. And this book is really well-timed, I think, because it, it finds Marvel Studios at a crossroads, the likes they've never really truly been, where... There's starting to be some fan apprehension. 
there's that lack of excitement for new projects where it's like, okay, there's, there's subtle rumors going around that maybe they're going to cancel some of these upcoming Disney plus shows. Do they really want to see them? So this book really kind of peels back the curtain a little bit. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And there are lots of things going on, lots of interesting components to it. Let's start with this one where Nicole Perlman had an F James Gunn party after he tried to keep her name out of the Guardians of the Galaxy original, you know, the first film. And she had to fight really hard to, to get her name on there. I don't know if you've noticed that when you're watching the movies where the first one definitely says Nicole Perlman, James Gunn, and it's that's the only one. And it was noticeable because it's like, Oh, that's interesting. And all the promotion, all the hype, it's always James Gunn, the writer, director of Guardians of the Galaxy. But Nicole was right there from the beginning. And she was the one who pinned the original backstory to many of the characters. And, you know, he would come through. And this isn't uncommon in Hollywood for a writer to do a treatment and somebody else comes and replaces them. But in this one, you know, a lot of Perlman's ideas still made it through to the big screen, including Star-Lord's backstory and his love of retro music. And so she was going. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 not a small omission. To, I mean, I'm glad she fought to actually rightfully put her name. If that was her contribution, that's definitely worth like fighting to get in there. That's. That's unfortunate. I mean, what happened? Why? Why was she taken out? Because I'm not familiar with. Like, did she part like midway through, or what happened? Eh, I still don't know about that, but I definitely know that she was credited because every time I go back through the Guardians, I make sure to mention her as one of the screenwriters of the first film. So I say Gunn, who co-wrote the first one. So one of Perlman's friends and fellow writer Zach Stin said in this book. Nicole had a knife fight for her credit on Guardians of the Galaxy, but she is probably the preeminent female action tempo writer now because she was the first woman to have her name on not just a Marvel movie, but on a Marvel movie that people really love. Now, I was like, well, what else has Nicole Perlman done? Because I'm trying to, to think about all these big projects she's done. Why is she the preeminent face of action movies, tentpole films? And I was like, well, I don't really recall a bunch of stuff. I know when I was going looking through her credits, Guardians of the Galaxy was the first one. Mm-hmm. Care to hazard a guess on two other ones that you will know, one of which is a Marvel Studios film. Okay. Um, they said she's good. So uh, Guardians is the first one. Not Civil War. Here's a tease. It's a movie that has a sequel coming soon, or quasi-sequel coming soon. Uh, I'm going to say Captain Marvel? There you go, kid. And she did Detective <laughs> Pikachu. So I said, I mean, those are good movies. Solid <laughs> movies. Um, I, I'm kind of like, man, is, is that enough to be the preeminent female director? I mean, screenwriter? I feel like that's it's kind of sad where... You've got these three movies on your belt, and that's all it takes. Because, you know, you look at the resumes of some other writers, and it's like they're just full to the brim of things. So kind of messed up that, that you know, somebody with this kind of background resume, that's all she's got. 
I mean, I'm, I'm hoping some of that is due to the writer strike. Maybe she, I'm hoping it was she was writing, working on some projects. They got delayed, and once everything is you know squashed between the uh, actors guild, they'll actually start being able to announce projects that she was working on. So, like, if she, I mean, if she put. You know, Mar Captain. Mar I mean, Guardians, Captain Marvel, like in say, those are movies. Like, hey, they, those drew people to the audience. I mean, to the theater. Like those that you deserve your recognition. And she need definitely needs, you know, to have some next things. Like, hey, put her on. Good deal. Ryan Daly's in the building. What's going on, Ryan? Right? The virtual building, of course, not our mm -hmm. actual studio. So. Zach said she threw a party when the movie came out, literally called the F James Gun Party because she had won that very bruising credit arbitration. The thing that I'm still angry about, and I say this as a fan of James Gunn as a director, was that he was very clearly, was that he very clearly was selectively leaking stuff to his friends and the fanboy media circles to undermine her credit. When Matthew Vaughn decided to have a temper tantrum over the fact that we got screen credit on X-Men First Class, at least he did it under his own name. Kind of interesting. Perlman didn't say anything. I think that's probably the best way to go because you're just not going to look good in this, even if you are in the right. But yeah, really interesting thing about that, huh? Yes. Again, it's it's not a good not a good look. I mean, but I mean, we're creative people. They definitely, you know, tempers do flare, and I'm sure. I mean, the fact that she threw the fu party, I'm sure he had one. I mean, <laughs> she was right when she was initially left. He probably had. He was sipping some champagne, like, all right, now back to work. What's up, Afton Child? How are you tonight? Uh, so continuing this, the screenwriter credit, Zach Penn, you probably remember his name anytime you watch Avengers. He also wrote the screenplay for The Incredible Hulk. And, you know, kind of what Marvel Studios tends to do, you do a movie they like, hey, we want to pin you to do another thing. So we've seen that. Uh, the writer for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, was originally tasked to do the Kang Dynasty, but because of Quantumania's lack of box office success, they're like, well, we're going to move along with someone else. So Josh Whedon came on to Avengers. Whoa, 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 whoa. Please don't say Josh Whedon's coming back. <laughs> Josh Whedon yeah. came in to Avengers, and it was like, yeah, I'm going to write the screenplay. And when he saw Zach Penn's work, he said, there was a script. There just wasn't a script I was going to film a word of. Now, that's pretty harsh. Pretty, pretty harsh. But, you know, maybe there's the possibility that Zach's screenplay wasn't great. He did Elektra. He did X-Men The Last Stand. But he also did X-Men 2 and Free Guy. So he's real hit or miss with his stuff. But, yeah. It, it wasn't a good look, and so Zach Zach was saying, re recalling uh, his interaction with 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 Whedon, saying, "I think he's a dick. I think he's a bad person." And it was really surprising. Remember, my bonus is based on my credit, so literally millions and millions of dollars, which is not the issue here. But that just came out of my pocket and went into Josh's pocket. So Marvel Studios tried to do a make good and gave Whedon the. All the soul written by credit, and then Zach and Whedon get the story by credit, which didn't make any of them happy about that. Mm -hmm. that was Avengers, you said? What's this? You said Avengers? The first one. 
Back in 2012, that one. Yeah, I'm like, mm, inter- interesting. Because, I mean, I always think, I think of Whedon much more as uh, Avenger, uh, Age of Ultron, but I keep forgetting that he, you know, he did help, you know, coalesce the whole Avengers into a team. So, oh, yeah, he took his whole victory lap when, when Avengers is destroying all these box office records. And he was talking about the lines that he put into the script that he really liked. And so, I mean, he's, He's grabbed all the attention. Awesome child, not a fan of Ant-Man 3. It's a dumpster fire. Blake says, yeah, I heard all about the first Ant-Man movie, Changing Hands, was supposed to be a different movie. I wish it were, and I'm very curious if if any of the original plans had Hank Pym as Ant-Man. I think not, because, I I mean, I thought that was, like, the earliest leaks were. I mean, especially you, you know, I I, I I hear you talk about, like, the, you know, Avengers when they first formed. And especially, you know, with Giant Man getting funded, you know, congratulations. But having Kate Penn, it was like, because some stupid artist made a a choice when it was like, hey, I'm writing something, you know, he's lashing out. A writer, an artist does something that basically makes... I I wouldn't say the the artist was stupid. It was just kind of a slight misinterpretation. That happens all the time. But the problem is that so much media tries to make that Hank Pym's defining moment. Even in that arc, it's not, oh, no. I mean, there's several, several panels. I did a whole thing where there's a ton of times where Marvel characters did worse things than mm-hmm. Hank Pym. I mean, Wolverine stabs his teammate, Phoenix, right through the right through the gut because she's going to kill a bad guy. And he's like, I'd do it again, basically. And so there's that. I mean, Reed slapped Sue around a couple times. So it's not like he was the only person that did some violence to women, mm-hmm. but Hank is the poster child for it, even though they've really explained it and try their best to go, hey, this was kind of a storyline of the times, not some, let's make Hank a terrible question. Yeah. I, it, a and terrible, horrible character. What's, I mean, the, the funny thing is like you have, when it comes to the movie, you had a new medium to define who the character is. And that would have overridden everything. And for ill or nil, that's what tends to happen. It's like a movie erases a lot of other history. And they could have easily like, hey, this is Hank Pym. You know, right after the Avengers, he comes up and, you know, comes exact, you know, and I don't know, like, the origin of Hank Pym, but you could have had Hank and Janet do their thing. Just, just like the first 10 Avengers, you'll get a good enough sense of how he is as a character. And I have other recommendations for you, but start off with those. Ryan says, finish watching Follow the House of Usher on Netflix. Mike Flanagan is my favorite writer, director, and horror now, and he's making another Stephen King adaptation. I'd love to see Flanagan play with some of DC's horror properties, House of Mystery, House of Secrets, Dead Man, Phantom Stranger, etc. Okay. I mean, like, is House of Mystery like the one they did the animation on? It's like a more of an anthology series. So, I mean, okay. you could do that. I, I'm, I think Dead Man and Phantom Stranger would be pretty interesting. Maybe Spectre, if they yeah, were Dead to go that route. Yeah, Dead Man was a, a cool prop. Um, which one did I? Uh, Dead Man was in Justice League. When he was jumping into like all the, the yeah that's, that's yeah that was yeah that Boston Boston brand yeah that would be I mean that's a cool property like like if you were to say hey pitch me a TV show it's like almost this is our quantum 
quantum leap, but it's a guy who's actually dead. And he's not, and he, and that's how he jumps into these people's lives, trying to solve his murder. Like, if only I, there was a streaming network for DC properties. Man, it'll never work. No way. 80s kid, what's going on? Sega hopes Deadpool 3 is good. Well, so do I. James Green says, Will Kang still be the main big bad guy for the next phase? Well, today, uh, looking at some of the trial news, I don't know. I mean, like, if Kang may be, Jonathan Majors might not. But based on it, it's really going to... I think Marvel's probably very carefully watching this trial to decide, all right, Kang, because of all his variants, we can we can go in a different direction with the actor. I mean, who who Kang is, but right now not looking great for Jonathan Majors to be playing the next phase bad guy. Speaking of Jonathan Majors, are you watching Loki? I am, and that has been good. And as even as much as I do not like the format of week to week. And especially nine o'clock on Thursday, it's like you're putting something at the end of the week that I got to wait a week for, which annoys me. But this show has been very good. I've been, especially after watching a lot of these Marvel properties, that has been refreshing to actually enjoy the content I'm watching and not feeling like this makes absolutely no sense. What do you think is the difference? I think when the big thing is. You do have a guiding light in Tom Hiddleston as Loki. You are you always know who Loki is. Then you we know, hey, what we're playing in is the multiverse. This is the thing that you guys told us, hey, we're gonna explore this multiverse. And because of that, you can use all these kinds of Loki variants. Because Loki has been nine million things in the comic book, it, even if you don't read a comic book, but you can play around all these things. But Tom Hiddleston is your Loki, and he's probably not. He's probably got a little more finger. Like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this. This works a little better. Versus, you know, I mean, this because I don't. Jeff, and you could probably tell us a little better. Was this one of his Tom Hiddleston's breakout role? I would say so. I mean, okay. I, I think a lot of people would not know him outside of Loki. Mm -hmm. I mean, my wife goes, oh, Loki, you know, when he's on a commercial. So I think that's the acid test where it's like, I may go, actually, he was in such and such. But mm -hmm. the general population, they're going to go, yeah, that that's Loki. Yeah. No, he was he was really great. And no, no, he's Loki. Right, yeah, so you're not going to win. Okay, so with that case, I think I would be a little more protective if I'm the executive producer, like, hey, I want to make sure I can come back for the next big Avengers movie. So I'm going to do stuff that makes that work. Like, yeah. And I think everybody else is just, I will pay. I'll take a paycheck. And if you tell me I'm going to the next movie, cool. But I'm not going to. There's nothing I can do or shape that says I have any input that dictates where this goes. Like, I mean. Even like I, I I hate to say this, but like Samuel Jackson, really did look like he's like uh, I, I I was in so many movies I don't remember what I was doing. 
So Tom Hiddleston's like, nah, I remember this. Again. I mean, I, and I'm, I know I'm imposing stuff on him, but this show seems like these people are more connected. This is the, I never watched another Marvel property, so let me just go play in a sandbox and never do any research. Did you catch the Ball to the Brave reference? I I do remember uh, which one's Balder. Was that uh, Ray uh, Ray Stevenson? No, Balder you would not have seen in the MCU. So for Thor fans, it's like Balder. You oh, actually he's a bigger. Yeah, he's a bigger guy. Yeah. No, no, he's not. You would have seen him in Earth's Mightiest Heroes. He's like in the blue and silver, like in the That's early true. early episodes. Um, he was the guy who's talking to Odin after Loki's manipulated things to get. Thor off of Asgard. Mm-hmm. He doesn't. You just don't remember him at all. All right, let me see. I, I think I. Re- I mean, it's like there's a part of me thinks I remember, but I'm like, am I sure? Or I played too much of Marvel Strike Force or something. He is one of Thor's. Like he's probably Thor's best friend. Is and he? He's not part of the Warriors of Three. No, he's not. Oh, he's a separate character, totally. Very interesting. And the, they were in the MCU. They were in before they got killed. His I mean, his colors change all the time, Blake. I, I found okay. a picture to show Jace. I think I'm going to know who his character is. His memory's trash now. This is Balder. Okay, yeah. This I remember him, but they they very very. They didn't really mention his name, I don't think. You're just like, forgetting. Okay, anyway. I, was I have character. not watched that show in a second. <laughs> what is wrong with you? I'm watching other things. Ah, jeez. I'm on Shield. I'm watching she- Agents of Shield again. That's you know. Oh, interesting that you mentioned that. So, Kevin Feige did mention that uh, Marvel's also put out their own official book called the Marvel Studios, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, an official timeline book. And he goes, on the multiverse note, we recognize their stories, movies, and series that are canonical to Marvel, but were different, but were created by different storytellers during different periods of Marvel's history. The timeline presented in this book is specific to the MCU's sacred timeline through phase four. But as we move forward and dive deeper into the multiverse saga, you never know when timelines may just crash or converge. Hint, hint, spoiler alert. So, uh, basically, uh, you know, people have been like, hey, wait a second, the Darkhold was introduced in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., not in WandaVision. And so that's kind of the thing. Apparently, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is no longer part of the official MCU timeline. Which is kind of weird. I may have to go... I'm going to disagree with that one. Uh, so sorry. Yeah, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. really did play into everything that was going on. And hey, there's a big disturbance. This is Thanos. I mean, I, they didn't, you know, it's that pick and choose thing. I'm going to pick and choose that that was part of the MCU continuity. I mean, we had S.H.I.E.L.D. breaking loose. I mean, the other characters showing up. It's like they had, I mean, it's like Hydra. They had... Yeah, you know, it, I, I think that's probably more of the Josh Whedon, like, hey, we're trying to kick out something that is 100% Josh Whedon's, and we can say that wasn't part of it. 
which also explains why nobody talked about, hey, where's Quake when Thanos is there? I mean, I mean they were gone. They were off into another reality. No, no, no. It, it, like, they, when there's a point where Quake is like this giant hero. and But, of course, she's like also kind of like any realm of like Captain America, like people kind of, you know, they're have kind of different, I mean, similar power levels, but you're like, oh, there's no, she's not Thor, she's not the Hulk, but she's pretty bad tail. And I, I, I don't, I, I, I continue to watch Agents of Shield like it is part of the MCU, and yeah, that's kind of good because technically speaking, the Darkhold is similarly mentioned again in Runaways, but I think it's. Trying to think what happens if the dark hole okay, so the dark hole is taken by Robbie Reyes and his engine of vengeance. Oh, that didn't get funded. Sorry, <laughs> that's not part of the MCU. <laughs> also, uh, they didn't, they did not have the tie in that would have funded that show. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it gets introduced again in Runaways, which. Was a, would have been a cool thing to introduce. Uh, What's her name? Cersei? Not Cersei. Morgan Le Fay. Like, I think she would have been a cool villain they could have actually used in the MCU for a movie or so. But ball dropped. Well, Afton, it doesn't really matter since they don't count to Kevin Feige. They do to me, and I'm definitely going to consider them more meaningful than Secret Invasion, which we're going to act like never happened and some of these other shows. So, you know. Okay, so you could say, like, if we're trying to get rid of properties, like, we're trying to say, oh, well, Inhumans doesn't count because no one actually watched it. So no one even knows (laughs) if it doesn't count. (laughs) Like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., like, okay, you got some of the Marvel, Disney, I mean, Netflix, Marvel, like so, we can say, "Oh well, we can use Daredevil, but we can make Daredevil reborn once we get writers to make an actual decent script." Um, yeah, and we don't have to worry about Iron Fist. When not everybody loves, we can reintroduce an Iron Fist character that people will enjoy more. We can introduce a Luke Cage that probably doesn't. But the end of Luke Cage is probably a little season two is probably a little messy, so. Yeah, you could fudge around. Like, like it was good properties, but maybe you want to say some of it won't work out. But when we actually have multiverse crashing, hopefully after Loki season two or something, maybe that'll be an easy way to drop some of those characters in. 80s Kid says Marvel needs a new formula. The writing and post rewrite and reshoot doesn't work anymore. I agree with you. I mean, you, you, that's the beauty. The, the Infinity Saga. They didn't have to keep going. Well, actually, this is where that man and, and this didn't count. It's, no, everything you lay out is supposed to count. I'll just ignore things that I don't like. You can't say Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doesn't exist and, well, nobody really talked on the set of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Nobody knew what was going on in WandaVision when it moved to the movie. Just just fix what you're doing. Stop like, stop trying to explain it away. So you're, that would be almost like saying, you know, of uh, uh, Eternals make sense. Like, I mean, Eternals made perfect sense. It just wasn't fun. And I'm I, sorry. I, like, I, why I, did I, you? Why did you not care about Thanos when he wiped out half the population? 
We were busy. Same reason Kara didn't help anybody until Alex was in trouble. I'm sorry. Uh, it just didn't matter, okay? <laughs> Play says, okay, right. since we're talking about the end of the MCU. Anybody watch Gen V? It's like Xavier's evil school of gifted youngsters. Great characters, great mystery and storytelling, and pretty gross. I am at episode three. I finished and wrote my recap on it. I haven't gotten past that one yet, not because I don't want to. I really am enjoying it. It's fun. Like you said, there's a really cool mystery unfolding. The characters have so many layers to them. It's not just the, oh, I like you. I don't like you. It's It feels kind of like the Hunger Games in a high school. And I'm really digging it so far. And it's that's probably on my list because of how you and uh, Chief talked about it last week. That's on my list for next week. No, I mean, it's it's not in my office TV. So I got to go to the main TV to watch Amazon. So. Oh, okay. I, I get it, it. It, it's a simple thing. Just put the password in the TV. And it's like, no, oh, that's too much work. Like, yeah. I, 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 you should give Ben V a chance. It's actually pretty good. I mean, like, with just kind of how the storyline has progressed after the last season of Boys, I actually want to see kind of what uh, – I mean, I don't know. I'm trying not to spoil anybody who hasn't seen uh, the boys, but if you have, it's like there's a. I mean, com- compound B. All right, let's just. I'm just gonna get all the way. But like compound B, like there's a whole crap load of mystery with that, and what that has led to. It's like since basically the start of, I guess you no know, Soldier Boys in the original, but you've really spoiled a lot. It's fine. <laughs> uh, as I said, I thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? Ha- you guys are gonna watch the boys. I mean. It's like, I'm just saying names. <laughs> like, if you don't watch it, just, I'm just throwing names. But I think if you watch it, it's, I definitely want to check it out. Once you guys said it, oh, yeah, it's not, it's not some trash. It's good. So I'm like, yeah, sign me up. It's good. I think it's a really nice, fresh take on what they were doing with the boys, where it's not as cynical and as jaded as the characters and the boys were. They're still moderately idealistic and hopeful, where hope just doesn't live here anymore with the boys. I was just, if you if you had the experience of uh, Huey, there's no way in heck you could be optimistic for these jerks. Like, I mean, butcher, like, I mean, mother's milk. He's like, I know these guys. Like, there's no chance. Like, I know dudes. So Tom Cruise. There's always been that rumor that oh yeah, they wanted him to be Iron Man. And then there was another rumor. He's going to show up in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, playing an Iron Man variant. Are you ready? So the, the news was from the book. That was basically a non-starter. His asking price was way too high. Kevin Feige said there was no way a studio was going to pay his asking price, whether it's Fox, Paramount, or Marvel Studios, because it was an unproven property. Now, if... Tom could go back in time and and see what was going on. Yeah, he probably would say, I'll lower my fee if I can get 0.5% of the box office haul. I think that probably balanced out anyway. Robert Downey Jr. did. He's like, he act, he's like, hey, any I get a point based on like whatever, like any movie I'm in. So he's it's like, I mean, he's just made gobs of money. I mean, I can't even like usually intelligent words. Like he's made a crud ton of money based on that. I'm I'm willing to not be the highest paid actor, but 
I'll take I'll take that uh, money on the back end. And also, I'm sure Paramount really is like, if they could have thought of that better, it's like we had a relationship with Tom Cruise. Hey, Tom, can you lower that price? <laughs> well, it's like because it was Iron Man is 2008, so it's right after Spider Man, Tropic Thunder. Yeah, I mean. Tom's like, hey, you're not just stuck on uh, Mission Impossible cocktails and movies like that. So you show you got this extra dimension. So what about the action hero superhero? Like, it. I'm sure Tom's like, eh, I've made some great movies. So, you know, I'm not hurting for money. I, I got, you know, it's okay. You know, the thing is, I think it actually just work out for us a little more because maybe Robert, I mean, like, I believe Robert Downey Jr. made a call, like, in Avengers is like, yeah, I don't want this movie just be Iron Man and his amazing friends. Like, I do want it to be an ensemble movie where Iron Man is in it. I don't, Tom would have tried, Tom might have tried to do it, but then they would have been like, no, no, Tom, it's Iron Man. We're just, it's Iron Man and his amazing friends. Like, Almost like how Mission Impossible since three have been. It's yeah, you're in it, but you guys are way behind time. Okay. So Marvel Studios is like, hey, why don't we look at some other not that same tier? Let me know if you think any of these guys would have been a better Iron Man than Robert Downey Jr. Okay. Timothy Oliphant. You look like you're struggling to think of who he is. Is this true? Uh, yes. Okay. <laughs> like, I, I think I, again, this is what it is. I think I know what you're talking about, but I don't I think, think you would have. I, I don't right. think he'd have this. Juice to. Because, yeah, I'm, I'm awake. This, this is all I want. He was in. Uh, oh, I know who, man. He he tends to play bad guys almost. Like I think, yeah, he. Yeah, I don't think he he would have. He he. I think he would have been uh, Eric 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 Schultz, Back to the Future. <laughs> All right, and the other choice, which is equally interesting, uh, is still a small picture. Let's try this one. Um, <laughs> I think this one's a little bit more interesting. Jim Caviezel. What do you think? I, I again I I I I love most of the stuff Jim Caviezel's in. I, I, I like person of interest. I liked uh was it Man in the Iron Mask? I mean not Man in the Iron Mask up. So. so I think that would have been interesting. But I, I don't think he would have had the roguish element that we kind of needed from Tony Stark. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, yeah I he is like, roguish. <laughs> and, and Timothy Oliphant could have done that just fine, as we saw. But I think, that, I think when we initially were going into Iron Man, we were like, I can see Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark. I think we yeah. all, some of us who knew I don't want to say the bad elements of Tony Stark, but Tony is not as squeaky clean, clean as they have him in the Marvel movies. He has problems. 
So he very much when we said when they said yeah tell me they said Robert Downey like yep that, that's that's if we were gonna cast Iron Man that would be the guy we would do. Um. So Blake, he was not. That's my guy from the Chajo movies that were masquerading in Transformers, huh? I'm sorry, I was saying this. It's not Billy Donovan. What's his name? Um, he's got a game show on. I can't remember what it's called either. Yeah, he's he's on that. Josh Duhamel. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, he's he he's great in action movies. I'm, I'm disappointed that didn't work out. And after Chad, I think you're right. Kind of thinking about this, but Paramount should have kept Marvel. Yeah, like their their crystal ball was terrible. Yeah, I think current. Paramount would not have to work to finance if movies, if they kept, like, you would have seen the next two or three Star Trek movies already in the Kelvin timeline, would not have to work to get financing if they kept Marvel. Even just a couple more, I mean, like, because they jumped out after Avengers, right? Yeah, they, they, they were passing the baton to Disney with Avengers. So they had a hand in the money, just like Disney did for Avengers. It was the worst possible time to to hand off anything because they would have had all that money. They could have made Paramount Plus all on the back of MCU. So really, oh, gosh, so yeah. all I mean that with that Paramount might have had a chance to buy Fox and created their universe with that money. Yeah. Blake has a cool story. Mine's been Terrence yeah. Howard's Iron Man 2 situation. I guess he could have made bank had he taken a lower fee and did five movie, mar, five more oh. Marvel movies. Fun fact, Terrence went to my school and was a year ahead of me. Cool. Was cool. he one of those cool people who were like, I can't believe this douchebag is a star. Don't tell me. I don't want to. Yeah, don't, don't, don't ruin it for me. <laughs> don't, don't ruin the Clinton love for me. Because what is it? He Terrence Howard does after does the best Iron men, man. best men holiday, and then the best man series, and then he does, yeah, he, does he does Empire. He does Empire, which does is very critically acclaimed for a while. I mean, it's helping keeping the lights on at Fox for a second. Yeah, that helped. His, I, I, I wonder if he would have gotten bored if he had actually stuck around that long. He would. I wonder if he would have asked him and killed off. During, uh, what's that? If he would, I wonder if he would have got asked to be killed off officially, like at the end of Endgame, because <laughs> he would have been there exactly as long as Robert Downey. He's like Downey Jr. He's like, it's fifteen years. I'm ready to take do something else too. Well, I don't think they were stopping him from doing anything. I always think that's an interesting deal, but yeah. Um, so let's see here, Matthew Vaughn, who's done. X-Men, kick-ass, Kingsman franchise. And there's rumors that DC Studios wants him to do The Authority. That would be a really interesting way to go, and I think he would do a really good job with it. We talked to Screen Rant about the thoughts, the rumors, the rumblings of superhero fatigue. This is what he said. I think there's been so many bad superhero movies as well that it's like when the Westerns got you make so many, then you get bored of the genre. Not because the genre is bad, but because the films are bad. And so let's see. I'm, I'll be intrigued to see what, how the Marvels does. I genuinely don't know what's happening with the superhero in the sense that I do think maybe we all need a bit of time off from it. 
maybe someone will make something so great that we'll get excited again and remind everybody that just having an identical ways of making superheroes, eh, superheroes, superhero films are films, Martin. It's a film that has superheroes in it. I think what happened was that they became superheroes and then the film part wasn't that important. When you're making a superhero movie, you sort of have to work harder because you got to make people believe it. That's why X-Men First Class was pretty grounded. We said it in the Cuban Missile Crisis. They had relatable human problems. And it wasn't relying on the CGI. I think CGI has effed up everything as well. Because you feel like you're watching a video game. You're not with the characters. Apart from Guardians, I still think Groot and the Raccoon are effing pieces of genius. And I feel so much for them. Especially if you watch Volume 3. So I'll be intrigued. I think at least DC is under. I think James Gunn and Saffron, they've got a good chance of popping and hopefully Fahey will go back to less is more and make less films and concentrate on making them great. What do you think? I was thinking, the funny thing is like you were saying, he's up for the authority. I was, I kind of was thinking if you could get Guy Ritchie to do the authority, that would be cool just because how he did. <laughs> Uh, what's the the one with Matt Damon? I'm not Matt Damon, but Matthew McConaughey with the weed. Uh, how they were the, the drugged out. Oh, I know what you're one you're talking about. Yeah, that was that was pretty fun. Yeah, so I, I think that would be cool. The Authority is definitely one of those properties I, I, that I think is something you you could definitely get some mileage out of. But it's I don't think you put it in too early. I think. Authority would be where we keep saying where you'll put that Thunderbolts. The team is broke up. There's that vacuum. This is where you put the authority. Or when you just want somebody almost like Batman. Yeah, Batman's good. But no, he's not doing enough. Like Superman, yeah, Superman's cool. But we can do this so much better. We stay in the shadows. We just we sit here almost almost like Superman and the elites. Like I mean the elites from that like we do all this dirt really. We are not a good team, but we get things done. And I think that would be a good counterbalance to a fully formed Justice League. But that's never gonna happen in movies again. <laughs> uh 80s says the TV show with the shapeshifting aliens ruined Infinity War and Endgame. Um, he's talking about Secret Invasion, I suppose. Uh, uh, Jeff, he's talking about that show that just doesn't exist. <laughs> well, he says that was back in 1993. Terrence was in the engineering program at Pratt in Brooklyn. Not a star yet, but many ladies around him. Oh, I'm sure. Pratt ended the engineering program in about 94 to pursue acting. I guess that worked out pretty well for him. <laughs> yes, like that. That was a, that was a smart call, Thanks for your bank account. And James Green wants to know, is the Craven movie still coming out? Yes, it is. They have not hyped up much of anything unless it's coming out imminently like uh, the Marvels because they want to wait around a little bit to have the stars actually go and hype up their stuff. Uh, a lot of movies have lost out on potential box office because they've not been making a prom promotional rounds. Our mother will call and be like, hey, I saw so-and-so movies coming out. I'll go, I'm seeing the screen. He says, oh, yeah, I saw them talking about it on the Today Show. It looks like it'll be a good show. So there's a whole audience that is not plugged in. You know, they're not watching commercials. So they don't know when things are coming out. Unlike, say, us, who may circle something and go, all right, two more weeks till this comes out. Two more weeks till the new Paw Patrol movie comes out. 
that's not the case with so many people. So they're just waiting, biding their time and going, all right, let's just hold it up a little bit. Yeah, because like the studios were initially they were so excited on how much money they were saving by not paying the actors. And then when it got to summer blockbuster season, they're like, oh, crap, we are actually losing money because our gates are so much more down, are so diminished because we don't have the stars program. It's like Barbie made a crap load of money. But if you could have had Margot Robbie going on The Tonight Show, the Jimmy Fallon show, uh, Jimmy Kimmel, like the box office would have been higher. And they and they and they know that it's like we paid we paid these celebrities to be making all the rounds, and that helps our box office. And not getting that is definitely like fast fast ten, like that. I think when you did the list last week, fast ten wasn't in the top five. Vin Diesel and all of them can go out and make the rounds. Top three, easy. Like like it's that's when it's like so a Craven movie. They they may want to like hold off because it's like. We need to, like, all these other Sony bad guys, Sinister Six kind of deals aren't really popping. So we'd love to have our stars being able to go out and promote just a couple extra dollars in this one. It might help. So ISS is number 16 on this list. There's no way in heck it's not top 10. With real real promotion, celebrity red carpets, all all the glitz and glamour, like the star power of that movie, you would have had Brie Larson going out. You would have Ben Diesel. You had Michelle Rodriguez, Tyrese. Oh, uh, just- I, don't, I don't know. I'm looking at these other movies, and I think they would have held it out anyway. We have Barbie, Super Mario Brothers movie. Because I think what you're kind of missing is the fact that people are going, yeah, in three, in four months, it'll be at home. I don't have to deal with these morons at the movie theaters anymore. I'll just wait it out because... Looking at these top 10, most of these movies are stuff parents are probably like, all right, let's get them out of the house for a second and let's go to the movie theaters. They're driving us crazy. Barbie's number one. Super Mario Brothers is two. Spider-Man Across Spider-Verse is three. Those are all slightly skewing in kids. Four, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, same deal. Oppenheimer is the one film that's kind of an outlier here. Number six, Little Mermaid. Seven, Avatar The Way of Water. Number eight, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. And then the big two that are like so far out the way, but you can tell they've got their audience targeted, and pun intended with number nine, John Wick Chapter 4. People are going to want to see that in the movie theaters because there wasn't a blockbuster must-see until John Wick, basically. And then Sound of Freedom, which has really worked for, you know, the totally different audience that's normally going to theaters. So that's like that's, that's an adult movie, I think, Ant-Man and I don't think Ant-Man Quantumania would have outgrossed Fast X. Like, Fast X gross is lower than I think probably since the original one. I know it's it's definitely down. And I'm, and I'm just making, I do not have the numbers in front of me, but it's, it's been down a lot. This is probably the lowest one since The Rock was introduced. Well, I think some of it is people are like, yeah, do we need another one? Yes. But I think come the next one, I think it's going to make a lot of money because all the people who they can put in and talk to the media will be available. So we got that. 80s Kid wants to know, why did they make two more movies for trolls? Money. Always money. When 
you're ever in doubt, it's all about the money, Ethan. If so. you can, if you can make, especially like a movie like the Saw, Saw by itself. If you didn't have any other Saws, it's a great movie. You're talking about Saw X or the first one? First one. You okay. can close that door and it's awesome. Then you get to all the other because it just makes so it's budget is so cheap. And then you get the returns, like you know, you're talking hundreds percentage returns. You're gonna make a sequel. And I got 10 more movies. Can we keep the budget as low? Yep. So, like in a lot of the horror movies, yeah. that tends to be the case. The budget is low. You just need a little um, gross factor. I mean, a creep out. I mean, a factor in. You don't have. You're not having to worry about CGI or big expensive sets. Most of it's very grounded. So it, I, I needed to. I needed to give you an update because you were curious. Worldwide, Fast X was just fine. It was number five. It's number five right now. Um, nothing is really coming anywhere close to challenging it. It had 704 million, uh, just 145 or 146 million domestically, but the foreign markets eat it up. So it's number five. Don't see it really leaving because we're not at a place where a lot of these other films are going to top it. Number one is Barbie all over. Number two, Super Mario Brothers. Three, Oppenheimer. Four, Guardians with uh, 845. So Fast X has this formula. They don't care about domestic box offices because it attracts audiences worldwide. But the, that Guardians and uh, excuse me, Fast and Fierce are billion dollar movies. Those are billion dollar franchises, and your celebrities can promote them. That's two hundred and fifty million dollars plus off both of those movies that you're losing out. And that's and that's when the studio. Sorry, I keep you know. That's why the studios like, yeah, we've got to figure out how to get these guys back, our A-listers back at the very least, and because otherwise we're losing, we are losing money now. We are losing money, people. Okay. Snake Eyes says John Wayne Four is one of the best action films of the year. I would agree, good sir. <laughs> Absolutely. You think one that's a lot for, for your top ten of the year? Hmm. You think that's one of your locks for top 10 movies? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm embarrassed that you felt the need to ask that question. I, I had to ask this question. <laughs> yeah. That's... I'm like, so embarrassed for you. No, it, it's for mm -hmm. sure. But what do you think about what Matthew Vaughn said anyway? So Marvel Studios need to, whoa, let's slow down all the way down. Let's not put as much stuff out. Maybe we go every other year without putting a movie. Maybe we do three Disney Plus shows in two years. I think the formula still works that you can do three Marvel movies a year. But your three Marvel movies can't be all introduction movies. Like you have to have maybe one introduction and two recurrent two of your sequel movies. And I think because the genre is very old, you can't interestingly, hey, here's the replacement for Hawkeye. That's not going to say the genre is old. I, I find it interesting because the genre has been around since the 70s. So, okay. well, the Marvel, the Mar Marvel, Marvel, the Marvel formula of superheroes oh, okay. has been around for about 15 years. And 
you have to like could Captain Marvel make us another sequel in three years, have it ready? Yeah, sure. I wouldn't have I don't think I, I would definitely not have a problem. I don't think I'm hoping the movie doesn't suck, but as long as it doesn't, I'll go see a movie, a third uh, Captain Marvel movie in three years. When you're so, trying to do this whole replacing almost when people say, Oh, you need to reboot the Marvel universe, like that's almost what's happening, and people aren't loving it. It's like it's like, hey, you're replacing our heroes with lesser versions or copies or didn't have to work for it. And that is kind of you know annoying people. Like, like, hey, we can replace Tony Stark because Tony Stark said nobody would be able to make the Iron Man to oh, we've re- we're replacing him with Reed Williams, even though that happens in the com in a comic, you're still like, I'm not I'm not okay with this shit. Like, you can't replace the people I like. Just because you say it's time, like we 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 as the audience kind of dictate that, and we're not really happy about that. But I don't think I really don't think it's real superhero fatigue. I think Disney Plus shows have definitely hurt the blame, and I think Bob Iger made the right calls. Like we are not having ten thousand of these properties. I think there are some we've talked about in multiple episodes that just don't make sense. It's like. You're you're filming all this, like, but I don't think that there is, as Chief said, who's asking for this? And right now, Marvel keeps hearing somebody in the bathroom stall saying, hey, I got an Echo in here. Somebody's asking for Echo. Like, that's not what they should be thinking. Like, they need to be like, okay, who, like, what properties are going to get somebody, like, that's that's my, since we've used up our A-level guys, what are, Characters we want in Kang Invasion or Secret War. I mean, uh, Secret Wars. Like, who are those characters? And if we don't have them being front and center in Secret Wars, we do not make a show about it. I'm sure Echo will be front and center, taking on Doctor Doom. They taking... don't want a break. Jalen <laughs> <laughs> Price, what's going on? What on, Jalen? <coughs> what would you so, think? Do you think they need to take a break? I mean, like, like just say, hey, we're going to give the the people who say they have superhero fatigue, we're going to give them a year without movie, without our superhero movies, nothing on Disney Plus, nothing on the big screen. What do you think? I think what they need to do is do what they did with the Avengers. It was let's build to the Avengers and we'll take five movies to get there? Yes. Five movies to get there. They did that. Everybody's really excited. And they had characters like Hawkeye and Black Widow could have easily held her own movie in that lead up to Avengers. They chose not to. They said, nope, let's not do that. Now, where we were going now is to Fantastic Four and X-Men. And we don't need a Mr. Fantastic movie. We don't need a Ben Graham movie. Maybe a Wolverine if he didn't have so many films already. And we don't need any other X-Men to have a solo film. That's We're good. We can jump right into them. But I feel like that's where they need to spend their time. Maybe Daredevil, a movie instead of necessarily a TV show. We've we watched the Daredevil TV show. I think they could have jumped into a movie with him and been fine. And if it took a couple years or three before we got to them, and not fill it with fillers, potential young Avengers characters, and they'd have been better off. 
and you know we could just bask in the afterglow of in game and no way home and just called it a few years like they didn't have to do pretty much much of anything especially if they were deciding let's do the multiverse there's so much stuff on their checklist and like this doesn't tie into the multiverse at all and there's no connection to it maybe maybe do those later we're not doing them at all i think they could have introduced characters without any problem Ryan says Marvel should make an annual Marvel team-up movie. Simple way to tap different characters, keep them relevant without full-on Avenger scale. You know, I think that would be a great use for Disney Plus, where you know, Werewolf by Night featured Elsa Bloodstone just as prominently as, as the other characters. And I thought that was a really smart way to do it. I mean, we saw Man Thing, we saw Werewolf by Night. So we have three characters of some relevance and importance in the Marvel Comics universe that they just took what 45 minutes 50 minutes to throw out there and it worked they could do that with so many other characters maybe that's where you do echo echo teaming with daredevil so you have your a plus b minor or a minus b plus character i think daredevil's a plus but okay. you know introduce a side tier character throwing captain britain there where it's like okay they will see him again maybe won't throw in black knight have him team with Wasp haven't seen up with Giant Man, and there you go. We've got some more characters. We're working in this way. Okay, see, then I remember we we were talking about this a little bit off when all the original Avengers left, and then you kind of got like the Tigra, um, Vision. Well, I mean, how who, who, was it Tiger who was basically replaces the chairman in like after one episode, or was that no, that was Wasp? That was way down the road. I mean, I feel like they the Avengers was their license to print money, and I can understand them being very reluctant to go back to the Avengers well. But I think there was a time where they could have done Alpha Flight. Hey, here's a team of superheroes, and you don't need to do a whole build up to them either. Just here's Canada's answer to the Avengers. The Avengers aren't around anymore. Canada, this is our time, eh? You know, that could have been something they could have worked in there and add another team instead of the Eternals where they're not that interesting on their own. They're cool characters in a cameo guest spot. Like, oh, who are Mm y'all? But because of the timeline and because they sat out the whole Thanos fight, they made them seem like crappy characters, crappy people to begin with. But if you introduce Alpha Flight afterwards, like, oh, man, after the Thanos thing and America's superheroes are decimated, it's time that we step up and do it. And that could have low-key been their sneaky way to work in Wolverine. Hmm. Mention the guy who left. What a pain. Well, I need him back on the team. We're going to find him. Like, that could have been, like, the post-credit deal where it's like, and then we just show a claw. We don't need to see who we've cast as Wolverine yet, but that's something they could have done. Like, oh, okay. So we get that X-Men tease. Because maybe it's not a big event. Maybe the buildup is to the X-Men. And another film ends with some scientists, Oliver Trask. They're, they're there. They're out here. I knew it. I yeah, knew you're, it. You're, you're using basically like how we got from Iron Man 2 to Thor, and you're using that connectivity, which they have somehow forgot to do. It's the X Men. You can easily say, "Hey, where were the X Men when Thanos was there?" There's, it's like the history of X Men. It's like, oh, you guys need us. 
yeah, we'll help you. We did stuff, but we're not putting our complete neck out for you because you guys are trying to kill us. Like, here's what you could do. You could do a similar timeline where the X-Men are based in California. They don't need to be in New York with the rest of the Marvel heroes. They're in California doing their thing, and they have been kind of on low-key scale. They've been saving people, maybe going, maybe Professor X is going, it was the Avengers that saved you. And people just think it was the Avengers that helped them because it's better than having this distrust and people coming after mutants. And then while all this stuff is playing out, while Endgame is going on, the mutant massacre plays out. And X-Men are, mutants are decimated. So they can't come in and help fight Thanos. Or you could do it maybe a little bit before. So there's no X-Men to help. And that would be a credible reason why they sat out the fight. It's not because they were on some other world. They understood it's better to be hidden, help everybody, but not be front and center. Kind of like how it was in the comic books. Like the Avengers, like the Fantastic Four. Not even like Spider-Man, who Peter is taking pictures of to make money. X-Men decide being in the, in the shadows is better because it can still help people. I mean, that's why he worked in the X-Men. I don't know. It's just so many ways. Ryan says the Eternals was such a misguided idea for the MCU. On the other hand, it was the best Justice League movie so far. All the shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> All of it. 80s kid Eternals are Superman knockoffs. I think they get so much more with them. Because what was it? Uh, what's our guy's name? Um, gosh, the, the, the basic Superman knockoff, the one that just doesn't have a cape. As he Icarus. says in the movie, Icarus. I just don't have a cape. Huh? Icarus. Like, there was nothing different about him other than, hey, at the end of the movie, it's like, even that doesn't make sense. Like it doesn't. Make sense. Like that was a turn for no reason. That was that. I don't know if anybody watched the new animated Justice League versus uh, Legion, of, Legion of Superheroes. I mean Legion of Superheroes. That it had a similar stupid sass turn yeah. like that. But what, why? Okay. Oh, and another thing. If you guys ever want to watch Justice League uh, War War, don't do it. Wait till it comes on uh, Max. I bought it on sale. <laughs> I was on sale. Like, oh, that's a cheap price. It's going to be cheaper than Black Friday. Did you watch the trailer? I did, and then I saw the reviews. Like, oh, you know, maybe they, maybe they, maybe it'll prove me wrong. It was. It made no sense. The trailer made it look like it made no sense. It's like, it no like, hey, we're just let's just say at the end they're just like, hey, we're going to crisis. Okay, thank you. Just <laughs> wipe them all out. <laughs> Complete, absolute waste of time. Now, you sent me this, and well, you sent me two things. Let's talk about the first one with David Fincher. Um, I don't know how many guys out there are fans of World War Z. There was plans to make a sequel. The first one made $540 million worldwide back when it came out back in 2013, if I'm remembering that properly. Yeah, 2013. And that was one of the few kind of films that managed to make a dent outside of the Iron Man 3 bonanza because it was just like the biggest movie. Anyway, David Fincher was all set to direct the sequel. Paramount canceled it. Ironically, you're going to love this because budgetary issues came to a head. 
for a Paramount film, which would not have been a problem if they had only kept those little Marvel Studio films. So Fincher was talking in an interview with GQ UK and said, I'm really glad that we never got that sequel made because it would have been a little like The Last of Us. And he said they had more real estate to explore the same stuff. Basically, they were going to use a parasite and do that whole thing. And, you know, for those fans of you like me who like The Last of Us, really love the way they pulled that off and think that's one of those beacons where it's like, you know what, guys, maybe if there is superhero fatigue, we could start doing some quality video game movies. And Blake did say this. There we go. I forgot to mention this. I don't believe in superhero fatigue. If the movie is good, has good characters and writing, then people go every time. I think it's a lie the studios put out there when the movie flops. Yeah, it's a very convenient excuse. Oh, well, people are tired. I mean, people aren't tired of dramas. People aren't tired of rom-coms. They're not tired of musicals. And some of these are, you know, it's a cycle. People get more excited than other times. I mean, Westerns used to be really big. I mean, war movies, I don't feel like they ever really go out of style. So, yeah, maybe people are like, ah, if only they were a good one. I mean, were people clamoring for, for war movies when Dunkirk dropped? Everybody was like, it's amazing. And I'm surprised we haven't seen a whole bunch of Me Too's on that. So, it's just a matter of making good movies, and then you put that thing together. Jamie yeah. says, I remember seeing Iron Man 2 in the theater, and I think my mom was more excited than me during the end credit scene. She exclaimed, Thor, Thor, they're going to do Thor. Out loud. I missed that magic. Exactly. Yeah. Meanwhile, my sister had no idea who we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think the it's almost like leaked out to the public. I mean, like to the critics and newspaper folks like, hey, there's superhero fatigue, so that's why we can cop out on why this movie didn't do as well as we thought. But when Guardians of the Galaxy 3 does its usual numbers, minus our actors not being a promoter, we just stay silent and then say, oh, well, you know, maybe it, it's one of the outliers. Like, no, it's not an outlier. It was a good movie. Like, good <laughs> movies, I mean, you know. Guardians was, was, did just fine. Anyway, even without the promotion, because yeah. people trust the brand of Guardians of the Galaxy. And we're like, yeah, it's fine. And it's really good. You should go see it. And people went went out and got went out and saw it. So I I don't think there's any issue with that. I think as long as you make the good as long as you make your movie good, people go see it and tell other people to go see it. Like well, you yeah, should those I'll, people I'll, telling you to see Justice League War World. Yeah, I'll I'll say another faster of that is I'm sure Marvel was very glad that they did not fire James Gunn or rehire James Gunn because they if James somebody beside James Gunn had taken over then you might have saw some real numbers like I don't trust this movie as much so I think that was a very good thing I'm looking forward to Superman Legacy 2 I hope it's going to be good Jamelin I'm right there with you. I'm like right there with you. <laughs> I was like, Wait, no, that that time checks out. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Now, now I'm finding it harder to find good superhero stories to read these days, but those that are good are really good. This week's recommendations, uh, well, sort of from this week and last week, Nightwing, Titans, uh, Action Comics, really good stuff. Green Arrow, awesome book. I mean, that is fun. 
The Flash, I'm not quite sure what I'm feeling with it, but it's really creative, and I appreciate that Cy Spurrier is doing something different, but it, it's I'm not quite sure if it's different enough for me. Green Lantern, Jeremy Adams, the former writer of Flash, is really good, so there are some good things out there that DC is making it harder for me to find some other stuff. Ryan says, video game movies. Can I finally get Tecmo Bowl? <laughs> Can I have Bo Jackson running all over the field? Boom. Oh. <laughs> Oh, you did. You picked the wrong run play. Sorry, it's a touchdown. I it was a Bo Jackson and the Marcus Allen play, right? Yeah. The thing. Let me let me say just so I can make sure I can get this right. Like, I think the problem now, and I'm going to diagnose this, is you have so many people that are cynical, and you have them coming on writing comic books, and it's like. That's comics at their best are uplifting and trying to show us the better angel side of us. <laughs> like that's what gets people into them. Like you viewers, yourself, your own thumbs up. I did not. I don't know who did that. I, I, I would actually appreciate it. Like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like that uh, show. I actually say that. Oh, great, great, great comment, Jason. Um, <laughs> but you need to have people. If you just want to keep making cynical stuff, people are going to get more cynical and that cycle keeps going back on itself. But if you make them uplifting and hopeful, I'll go to see, I'm not thinking of my tragic life. I'm seeing somebody, hey, that's fought back from really crappy circumstances and then they bring themselves up. Like, because there might be happening in my life, but I get to see this uplifting thing. Like if I, if say Luke Skywalker was all emotion, emo, about, you know, losing his hand, daddy sucks, and, oh, I guess I could go free that Han Solo, dude. Like, how much would you want to see about care about Star Wars? But it's like, hey, I hey, it sucks. It's like I'm picking myself back up. Like, you want to go see that a thousand times more. Like, you just, in reading comic books, that is much, I, I, I know. Maybe 2000. And seeing some of these comics, I'm like, how is this going to pick, how is this, even good storytelling. How is this anything but agenda-driven crud that you, you, you're like, hey, I mean, I, I know it's really good to tell your stories, but the best way to tell your stories is like, hey, I'm like you. I got my own struggle, but we got the same. We got, at the end of the day, we got the same stuff and we got to uplift ourselves. Like, if you don't have that at the end of the day, nobody's going to read it. And nobody, that's why nobody reads comics right now. I mean, people, I'm sorry, the numbers of people reading comics aren't as high as they could be. They are not. Blaze says, Jamelin, I was the same way during Thor 1. With Hawkeye's first appearance up at the Crow's Nest, I said to my date, that's Hawkeye. She didn't know him. It was funny back, back then where it was, you know, you could tell people, you could be like, well, let me tell you a little bit about Rocky, Rocky Rock, Raccoon. And I was like, oh, yeah, the raccoon's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry, we'll, we'll get our second chance when X-Men and Fantastic Four get out there. 80s kid, I missed the days of Revenge of the Sith. It was a treat going to the movies back then. I mean, there, there's some movies that still have a treat scene, but not as much. Ryan says, I need to check out Wesley Dodd's Sandman just because he's one of my favorite DC characters. I think you'll like it. Uh, Riley Rossmo's art, a little bit different than maybe that story calls for, but it's a really good story, and fun read especially if you're into the jsa characters i was gonna say like if, if, if you love if you like jsa characters i'd also remind you go check out star girl i know it was canceled but that was a great show 
<laughs> it was. And that was that was a victim of CW crashing. You did it yourself, Jace. Don't try to pass it off like somebody else is giving you a thumbs up. You did it. Like, All right, Anakin, calm down. <laughs> you brought that thumbs up on yourself. Okay. <laughs> you have no random fun. You have no random fans sneaking in here. Ooh. 80 says Avatar The Way of Water was a fun movie. It's a masterpiece. I'm glad you like it. I have not found three hours to watch it yet, but we'll see what happens in the next few days. So that's that. Now that there was that other story you sent me, do it. Do it. Go ahead, Jace. Show us a thumbs up. You got to get closer to the. Go closer. I'm curious now. I'm intrigued. Now now you're doing it. Actually, just go. It's a try. Actually, somebody did it, man. No. (laughs) Brian wants to know, did you guys end up watching Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny? I prefer my my Indiana Jones with his last crusade. (laughs) I have not watched that. Is it on Disney Plus now? I don't know. If, if so, I'll probably will watch it so I can add in my 2023 review numbers. I'm not really interested in seeing it, but was it worth watching? It's not a joke, Jace. You you control you have the thumb power. I do have the thumb. Let's see. Mm. Nice. See, I, I can't buy those figures at 27. They're too much. Nice. Last Crusade is the way to end it, especially when he's escaping through a nuclear blast. In a fridge, it's just. I'm I, I, I'm glad I it's like dropped off. Like, oh, we're gonna introduce, we're gonna kind of replace him, but we're not. <laughs> How about we just say the story's over? I mean, it's like it's okay there too. Like, we also can say that Indiana Jones is a relic of the '40s, and we're done here. Uh, I don't know if he's a relic. I still enjoy. It's just like, eh. all right, so. You send me this article. Let's see if I can actually go through it. All right. Nearly half of Gen Z think sex scenes in movies and TV are unnecessary, a UCLA study finds. Slightly slightly more than half of Gen Z adolescents want to see more platonic relationships or friendships in movies and TV as opposed to romance or sex scenes. A UCLA Center for Scholars and Storytellers study titled Teens and Screens found. That was interesting. They surveyed 1,500, so this is by far not a a mass majority here. Mm. 1,500 adolescents aged 10 to 24 were surveyed for this study. And the age range is referred to as a period of extended adolescence, a critical point in life when young people sharpen their sense of identity through interpreting cues from culture and environment. Only 15.2% of the surveyed teens disagree with the majority preference for friendship over romantic relationship-centered content. 33.3 of the young people uh, remain neutral to the question. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I think I think what I always complain about with Young Justice is they lost their way by trying to add in so much of the relation, you know, re- relationships versus the actual platonic relationships. And that was the very much a driving force 
of the first two seasons. It was, but then when they focused on the more romantic side, it was okay. We can I can watch other programs for that. If I want to watch my dramas, I can watch that. But if I want to watch my action, uh, I mean, or even like an action movie, it's like yeah, you got one guy doing his thing, but you don't have ten thousand relationships to keep up with. In not also thinking about the fact it's like it's hard if you don't know how to actually have friends it's hard to be in a relationship so helping people learn how to actually be friends and you know helping that part of their journey will like go a thousand times better than saying hey here's a romantic relationship we don't know how to make it work and we're going to make it look like it's hard on camera and then we're going to tell you you guys are failures for not knowing how to do it it's like no tell me how to be like talk to another human being and just be cool with them. I don't need to have any other ulterior motive. I think doing that is probably why Jay-Z's made that sense. Like, I, I don't need to see all Exactly. Ryan says that's because Gen Z can view sex anywhere. When I was growing up, if I wanted to see sex, I had to watch The Terminator. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's everywhere. They can see it on their phones. They can see it on TikTok, social media, whatever. So the titillation of 40-year-olds who were like, oh, look, it's gone. I mean, it's just right there. You don't have to work for it. Um, and then these these this same 1,500, again, a very small group to survey, said they want to see, they felt that 44.3 said the romance in the media is overused. Agreed. 47.5 said the sex isn't needed for the plot of most TV shows and movies. Adolescents are also rejecting the dominating portrayal of traditional heteronormal, heteronormative relationships and calling for more diverse types of relationships in media. Yeah, a majority, 56%, prefer original content versus franchises, adaptation, remakes, and other IP-based content. Only 10.5% of adolescents prefer to consume aspirational stories about rich and famous people. But are they aspirational? I was going to say that like the case those are aspirational characters. How how are the Kardashians still on? That's like that's that, I mean it's like that's where you kind of like there is some aspect again on fifteen hundred is a small sample. Not knowing what your economic background is, what you're looking at. There's a whole things other than just saying we found you know a couple one school and we sampled them. <laughs> yeah, here's one other thing I thought was funny in this. As Gen Z ages up, their views on the American dream and who they want to see as the heroes of stories change. Social media still voted the most authentic media platform with TikTok specifically dominating within that category. That's so interesting. Um, yeah. It's, an, it's the idea like, oh, we didn't, we didn't we want to see original content. It's like, well, where have your dollars gone? Like, I mean, I know like how, how Javon says is like his kids. They watch most of their stuff on short form TikTok, or they're watching somebody else watch something else, doing something else. It's like that's the original content. We, we appreciate that for all you watching us, of course. <laughs> but a lot of times it's like we, everybody, you want to, what is the stuff you want to do when you're not on your phone? Like, what do you do when you're trying to actually relax? Like, that's going to be probably that sequel that's easy to digest and, oh, I can watch it while I'm cleaning the dishes. Jamelin says your camera picks up your movement, moron. If you make, I may have added that more. If you make your heart hands, it'll show a heart too. 
Oh my gosh! He thought he was lying all the time. Oh well, I'm like I don't. I'm, I'm like, how many times are I done a thumbs up and it never does anything? Like, it's supposed to be a new version. You're doing your thumbs up like this. You're not doing it straight in front of the camera. You're, you're still. I don't even know how you're angry. Anyway, right. Ryan says, "Dial of Destiny" was a lot better than I expected. It would have been better if they had filmed this story when they made Crystal Skull and Ford was somewhat, still somewhat physical, but it was still enjoyable. Cool. I will watch it then. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, especially it's on Disney Plus. That's cool. Yeah. Aiden says, "Young Justice died after season one." In my head, season two was good though. Nothing happens after season two. I really liked the first two seasons. I thought both of them were really good. I'm curious why why it was done for you after season one. But boy, season three, Cliff. Gen Z will never know the thrill of watching NYPD Blue and 93 on Network TV and seeing that caption. This police drama contains adult language and partial nudity. And it was Dennis Franz. Viewer discretion is advised. That was a discretion, all right. Yeah, it was like when you can get everything, there is no there's no need for it. It's like it's not that grasp to see something I can see all the time. I think reality shows like the Kardashian and Housewives appeal more to 30 plus year old women. I could be wrong. Jamwin, I do not think you are, my friend. Well, I'm okay. Well, let me let's let's I would di- I'm gonna disagree because I'm like the amount of influencers. We're basically living those Kardashian kind of lives. Have a whole lot of followers. They're not just all men, but they are people. Hey, I would like to emulate that. So it's content I like. Acton just says it basic. TikTok is stupid. Let's get it out of here. Yeah. You don't watch reality shows. I mean, there's there's quality ones like The Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise, The Bachelorette, The Golden Bachelor. Jeff, you know what? Eddie, we got huh? You don't watch that. Stop lying. I, I, I haven't hey. watched. I haven't watched. I haven't even watched the commercials teasing it. <laughs> just, just, I have nothing. I the mean, like, if we talk about superhero fatigue, I talk about was that love is blind fatigue and uh, yep, married at first sight. Yeah, I mean, love is blind is actually hilarious. How stupid it was. Like, but the last season was good. I like that. that I, they actually found couples who actually want to do it. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, no, that's not good. Huh? So you give me that little. That's like, uh, no, I mean, I was enjoying it anyway. So mm-hmm. that I think, yeah. So that seems like there's everything on the news because there's nothing else really happening because stuff is not not doing anymore. Sitcoms aren't the same anymore. They're not funny. I I wish I could tell you. I just don't watch them because. I don't care. I, I what is that in the neighborhood? The one with, with Cedric, the one on CBS. Yeah, that show where I've watched it, neighborhood. Yeah, that show was funny when I watched it, but I just don't. I don't watch TV like that. Every TV show I watch, I'm watching through my convenient DVR lens, where I can go. Yeah, I'm fast forwarding through that crappy commercial, so I can't watch it that way. I'm good. Well, here, here's my thing, and about is. It is hard to make, I mean, I'll say like sitcoms and comedies in general are hard to make because you have to figure out how to thread the needle of not offending too many people. And I just remember how like the people, the cast and friends like, oh my gosh, we couldn't film Friends now. It's like, 
how could you not film friends now? <laughs> like, how could you not do friends? Like, is this that offensive? Or am I, am I just that based on like my level of offense is so much higher than what the bar is now? The answer to that probably is yes. But you can't do a friend show? Like, that's just saying how much you can't, you're, you're like your writers, your handcuffs. Like, okay, if we want to sell this show, we got to go to Netflix because we can offend certain people. But we're okay with it. But you try and take the show to network, you got to go, hey, can we do Kramer now? I mean, Frasier now? Uh, we'll see. We'll try and see if it doesn't offend too many people and go from there. Like, you're talking 30-minute sitcoms. It's It's got to be super hard now. Aston, to answer your question, how does South Park get away from all this? I think it's because South Park is an equal opportunity. Let's offend everyone so you'd really i mean you couldn't watch two episodes of south park without being offended and then going and prop maybe from your sense of humor laughing at everybody else because the target's not on you i feel like they're just so it's scorched earth time everybody's getting it and they have not bothered trying to cater and be like oh we apologize listen this is our show we're just going after everybody. And if you're offended, don't watch our show. And I think because they've always stuck to that, people are just like, that's South Park. And I don't have to watch it. No. If you, if you And if you have the, then you basically get the buy-in of the network. Like, we're telling you, we're offending everybody. We're not playing favorites. They're, you see who the creators are, and we're going to talk about us. Yeah. So everybody, you know, everybody gets it. I don't know, man. I mean, Disney is quite powerful on those C and Ds, brother. And, and Jamelin, I, you know, in the random times I was over, like my folks, and they had it on because because they watch CBS shows and then forget the remotes around when they're complaining that something's not good. They like Bob Hart's Abashola too, which, you know, when I've been over there, it's been funny. But Mom was was Mom on Fox? It was on CBS, right? Mom's uh, wait, is that's the one with Anna Ferris and? Yeah. Yeah. That was on CBS. Yeah. So I think Two Broke Girls was fun, but huh? I said I thought two two broke girls was funny. But yeah, but I feel like that's been a long probably longer than you think. <laughs> oh, I mean it's like I, I laugh at that and it's like, yeah, that was when How I Met Your Mother was funny. So yeah. Ooh, how I met your mother. Ouch. No, so ABG, anybody can get it today. <laughs> 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 I don't know. Watching Hulu—that's—that's that's the way to go. Yeah, wish I wish they came with a disclaimer after this season. Stop watching the show because because some get really bad. Like how I met your mother. All right, well, we're winding this thing down a little bit early because oh, Marshall and Lily were your favorite characters. Yeah, I, I like them too. They were they were fine. I like the cast. I thought. They were really good. Jason will always tell you the breaking point of that show was when they decided the Britney Spears, when they focused a little bit more on Barney because he was the only one single at the time and everybody watched it because of Britney Spears and they were like, oh, they watched it. They, they, they got the wrong message. They, they like Barney, not they watched the show because of Britney Spears. So then they just shifted gears totally and it's all about Barney. And, you know, as you saw with Hangover Part 3, you can't make the main thing about the comic character. It's just going to kill it. Yeah. 
It's like I, if you if you want to talk about a good show, it's like that season one where actually it's Barney like helping out his boy trying to figure out his life. That's it's like that's like go if you want to like have me talk to a Gen Z. It's like hey, there's some I guess now which I call cringy stuff, but it's like it, in <laughs> essence, it's a guy trying to help his buddy explore life. It's like hey. We're going to do dumb stuff. There's going to be a time when you're old and you can't do this and can't get away with it. This is not that time. You need to explore your life. And that's what Barney, half the message says, like, you are young. You will be sitting in, gosh knows what. This is your time to be stupid. And I think you do need more shows that like shows. It's like, be stupid. The gentleman, like, you can do stuff like that. But then we just like, hey, I'm going to, hey, man, I'm Mr. I'll take your girl. What? Terrible. Trash. All right. It's that time of the week, dear brother. Who's your nominee for Dummy of the Week? All right. Well, I know we haven't talked about this all week, and I'm, I'm going to take half the Chiefs and put it on myself on my team. My Dummy of the Week is the Denver Broncos. You know why they're my Dummy of the Week, Jeffrey? Oh, please tell me why. They won a game. <laughs> <laughs> Did they not get the memo? Did they not get the assignment? It's not to win games. It's, hey – there's a number one draft pick. You know, you're not understanding what we do. You don't actually win the games to get those picks. Like, hello. Like, but no, they decided to beat Green Bay and make everybody think Green Bay sucks. It's like, <laughs> no, they don't suck. They literally just a couple plays. They're just they just need a little seasoning. We suck. <laughs> We're gonna have to police the whole team because somebody didn't get the assignment that we suck. So the fact that we actually won a game. Didn't finish our complete tank job. We are my dummy of the week. Uh, no, is that on? Yeah, that's why. That's that's why. <laughs> that, that's why. Yeah, I, I would. I really wish they would expand. I mean, if we could get, we could eliminate three fourths of these streaming services and wait one mega streaming service to watch all the cool stuff. I would love it, but asking for 20 different subscriptions and still paying for cable, pain in the butt. Yeah. And, and mine has to be the studios for not working things out with the actors at this point because Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 2, which is going to be retitled, has now been pushed back to Memorial Day 2025. It's not great. That's, that's a long way off there. Amazon wow. Prime. Can't watch it. That's annoying. It's 80s. Like, and like, and I'm still mad. I can as much as I wanted to see uh Oppenheimer, the fact I couldn't see Dead Reckoning in an IMAX because of I'm I'm still a little mad. I'm still a little salty on that one. Well, Mission Impossible is now where you can watch on, on demand, video on demand now. So I will be doing that because I've wanted to see it. And like you, oh, it's out of the, the, the real blockbuster presentation. Well, I'll just wait until it gets home. And that way I can do it that way. But I think it's time the studios need to realize we can pony up a little bit more of these month, the, these dollars because it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's a long time, 80s. I mean, that, and I don't even know what, what there is to be excited about with 2024 releases because I don't, there's not something where I'm like, oh man, this is coming. I mean, I feel like we already have two films to be excited about with 2025 with Superman Legacy, Mission Impossible, The Reckoning Part 2. So okay. we'll see. It's wild. Fast, Fast and Furious, Dune Part 2. Like a lot of the stuff that was 
scheduled for the latter half of this year probably got kicked back. Yeah. So So they need to get on it so we can get back to watching movies and talking about them. So, all right. Well, brother, thank you as always for hanging out with us. Thank you all out there in the chat. Snake Eyes, 80s Kid, Blake, Jamelin, Ryan, Afton Child, everybody. Think I covered everybody, James. James Greenwood. Yeah. All right. So that's everybody. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us. And don't forget, tomorrow I will be back on for Lyle's Figure Files recap, maybe, of Giant Man. But there's a lot of stuff to talk about, including the solo release of Starkiller for the Black Series, which I cannot wait to have in my. Yeah, exactly. You might want to. Really? Wait, you don't have those stupid stormtroopers in the Force Lightning? Nope, nope, nope. Like I need to figure that out because I apparently now have to work half the day, but we'll figure it out. Maybe I will. Let me know in the comments or in the dashboard on figure files if you guys want to do a watch along of Empire Strikes Back. I will be watching it. But anyway, he's definitely watching. <laughs> Trust me. It's just a matter from watching it in here or in the basement. Anyway, thank you all so much. This episode of Lyle's Movie Files has been filed.